0: welcome to entrepreneur life with me joel campbell and i am an entrepreneur i tell you what those those stars those starts that starting point is really getting to a to a flow now i've got i've got that down pat i don't even need to read from a script anymore so i've got it which is good still in new zealand um i'm probably only maybe two episodes away uh before i'm actually back in the uk filming these back in the UK, it's been really sporadic in New Zealand. I had a plan of getting loads of these done and doing loads of different things. I wrote loads of really cool stuff down. I went through loads of different subjects. I picked up loads of comments that people have been making, things along those lines to put it together to really start chewing through the media. Never never works out like that, does it? The plan never came together quite in that way. So I have got a lot I want to do, but I am struggling to find the time and that's kind of loosely what I wanted to speak about today but I wanted to come at it from a different angle and I wanted to talk a little bit about the education system but more specifically trying to pick up on what's happening at the moment so I'm I'm aware through um through the media through the news but also through conversations with my team bearing in mind that I'm, I'm talking about the team that run the tourist attractions that the Schools, or a lot of schools, are going to be closed. What is going to be tomorrow? um, Although this episode might come out in in a couple of weeks or whatever, Um, the schools are going to be closed due to the strikes. Now, that's quite a a recent strike. I think teachers have made decisions quite, um, quite quickly in the sense of we're going to strike, to we're striking. uh, to the actual day. So I've got obviously different employees are off work to, to look after kids and such like that. And it got me into a discussion with my father in law around strikes and around unions and whether unions still have a place that they did back in the 70s and the 80s and such like that. Whether striking is something that should be allowed, shouldn't be allowed. Is it legal, is it not legal? And we came at it from very different angles. Fundamentally, we came at it from, and it got a little bit heated actually at one point, I should say fundamentally i think we come at it from the same we, we we end up in the same place we have the same outlook on on how this should work but the journey of getting there we have very different and he's very much kind of oh my god what's happening over there um <laughs> it's fine they carry on it's fine um we home educate i'll come on to that he very much came from a perspective of you know what what other choice do do people have if conditions and pay are so bad how do they actually get to level up a little bit without striking how is there any how is there any other way um it's a last resort and i agree with that to, to a point i guess i look at it from a from an employer perspective of you're being forced or bullied or pushed into doing something that you might not actually be in a position to be able to do. And if I put that very quick into a business sense, if you're striking because of pay and you decide, right, we, we haven't got the pay that we want, we want more money, we're gonna strike, we're walking out unless you give us you know, 10% pay rise, for example, or an 8% pay rise or a 5%, whatever that is. Now let's say that happens and the company in question just does not have enough money to pay that. If everyone wants 5%, But ultimately, the best the company can get to is 3% because if they do any more, they're going to go out of business. But the employees aren't happy with that, 5% or nothing. So the company goes under and everybody is lost out. So there is a balance in there. And I do appreciate this is more complex than that and and the whole thing with the teachers. And I don't want to get into the striking as part of the conversation. What I want to talk about is, I, I do want to talk a little bit about it, but I think there's a misconception that teachers are striking over pay. And I'm not sure that's right. I wonder if they're actually striking more over conditions. And starting teacher's salary is due to go up in, in September, I think, to about 30K. I don't know whether that's going to be starting or, or once you're trained and such like that. But it, it, it's, not, it's not a huge salary, but it's not a small salary. It's definitely livable off. I think the challenge is, teachers are heavily, heavily overworked. I think the conditions they operate in are crap. I think what they are asked to do is ridiculous. And I think the entire education system is broken. And that is the actual problem here, not necessarily the pay for teachers. So we home educate our children. We've home educated our children for a number of years now. I say we, in fairness, Emma does I always say 95% because I like to try and give myself a 5 percentile, but the reality is she probably does 98%. Um, So we've had the experience of our kids being at school and out of school, and actually when my daughter just did a, the final year at primary, and she just did the first term at secondary. And we decided to take her back, she actually decided she wanted to come back to home ed. So we've, we've been through the journey, and, and through that I've been chatting to a number of teachers, I spoke to her form tutor, I spoke to some of the senior team at the school, and I spoke to the deputy head as well when we elected to take her back to home education. They wanted to obviously go through why, you know, the questions, uh, having discussions about it and such. And, We basically, and I basically explained to to the teachers and to the deputy head that the school system's broken. And my daughter's struggling with a few bits there in terms of um, the disruption that happens in school because teachers are spending so much time having to look after disruptive pupils, which might not necessarily be the pupil's fault, but they are. So they spend half their lesson just trying to manage the kids so they can actually teach the kids. And this is what they said to me, was they do find it hard because half of a 45-minute lesson or a 50-minute lesson is spent managing three or four children that are being difficult. And the other half is spent teaching, which must be incredibly frustrating for a teacher, so frustrating. They did say that once you get to year eight and the separation happens, you start separating on ability, what happens is the higher ability classes, which is where my daughter will be, start finding it a bit easier because they're not having to manage the pupils behaviour, because generally speaking, the pupils that are in the higher classes are better behaved. And there's certainly a reason for that. Um, you right. How was your day? Yeah, always a good day. There's beer in the fridge. Oh, I've got to go get a dog, yet. Well, when you get back, there's beer in the fridge. There you go. My father-in-law's just returned home from work. Um, so where was I? So, so fundamentally, there's that will make a separation. The school did say that that actually if your daughter stays until year eight, she'll she'll go through the separation, she'll be in a different group and she'll find it less disruptive and she'll probably get on with that better. And I like, yeah, that's probably true. But what happens to all those kids that don't go into those high groups? You're going to put all the disruptive kids together. And I know this because that was me and that was me. God, I'm going to turn 40 later this year. So is that 16 years I went to school? Maybe I should have done maths all the way up until I was 18, like Rishi suggests. And I would realise that actually it was 24 years ago that I left school. (laughs) Sorry, that was my my subtle little dig there. Um, So yeah, 24 years. And they're still using exactly the same system now as they did 24 years ago when I was at school. Now, I operate a number of different businesses, and I've been through life in many, many different aspects. In my business, for example, if we operated the same systems in 24 years' time, I guarantee you a majority of them will not work. Like, or they will have improved so much, or there's different ways of doing things that we could change and adapt and move that would see it far more beneficial for everybody. The school system has not done that. So that was the first thing. The second thing I said, and this this was a bit of a sticky point, was homework. Now I've always said that I will not force my kids to do homework. If they choose to do homework, then I will support it. But if they do not want to do their homework, then I'm not gonna force them to do it. And the reason is because I believe you go to school to do, to learn. You go to school to, to be taught certain things by teachers, by qualified professional teachers. You do not then get given work to then go home and do at home. Your, your education time is your education time at school. Then when you're at home, that's your home time. That's not go home and do additional work. And I've, I really believe that what that does is it just conditions people from a young age, you go to school, you do your work, you get given extra work, you go home and you do that in the evening. Where's your time? Where's the me time? Where's the individual's time? And then when you leave school, You're conditioned like that. So when you go to work for somebody and get a job, you will go and do your job and you'll do your eight hours, seven and a half, eight hours, whatever it may be. And then you will go home and you will continue working. And then people burn out. And we're seeing that all the time now. Mental health is such a huge thing now, such awareness around it, which there should be. But fundamentally, people are burning out because they're working too hard or too long or too much or just the way that they're running their lives because it's almost like that's the expectation it's the expectation of your company it's the expectation of society and it becomes the expectation of yourself and it is ingrained into you from school age so i was like my daughter is not doing homework and when i spoke to this when i spoke about this with the head and with the um with her with her tutor and with the senior um uh, team i spoke to at the school with the the senior directoral team as they are um They didn't necessarily disagree with that. But I then relate to it, or I I reiterated to say, I don't think students should have to do homework any more than teachers should have to go home and do marking. Once a teacher finishes their day at school, their day is done. They shouldn't have to go and do marking at home. They shouldn't have to go and prepare lesson plans. They shouldn't have to think about what's going to happen in the next few days or do their own continual professional development that should happen and be allocated within their job. They should have time within their day to be able to do those kind of things, to do their marking, to do their lesson plans, to think about their CPDs. If I did that with my employees, they would all leave. And I remember years ago when I was a lifeguard, we had to do a certain amount of CPDs, so continual professional development. We had to do a certain amount of allocation training. We had to earn a certain amount of points over a period of time we were doing all of that and that meant we had to do certain levels of training you all right guys um and we we had a specification for that and it was done within our working hours we were paid for it and it was allocated into our working hours and that was fine but if i'd been asked to do that outside of my working hours i probably would have done it because i really enjoyed my career and i think that's what i've expected of myself and i believe that's what society would have expected and my the company I worked for was expected but it would have been wrong so I'm really pleased they didn't force that because it meant I didn't have to go against the grain it was just the way Um, and that's what we do in our organization we don't expect people to work beyond their hours and in fact we go out of our way to be like hey look you've done your hours fuck off go home (laughs) don't pick it up don't pick it back up and we do send people home like that on occasion then we do say to them leave your computer at work And don't get me wrong, sometimes people take their computers and we run flexi time and we're very flexible about the way we work and remote work and such. People do work from home, they will pick up a couple of hours here, go off for a couple of hours, pick up another couple of hours here. So that's fine. It works in certain instances. Um, Not all of our companies, that's more of the the companies that work. In some of our businesses, they're very much um, rotor-based, they're customer service, customer facing. Therefore, they have to be on at a certain time, but we appoint breaks. And when they leave, they leave their work at work. They don't take it home with them. And I think this is one of the problems with the education system is the teachers are expected to rock up at their day. I'm not really sure what time they start. I think it depends on the school and where you are and what you're teaching and such, but you get it in the morning. So that could be 7.30, for example, eight o'clock. So you could have had a 45 minute commute beforehand you could have left home at quarter past seven seven o'clock quarter past seven maybe even half six Um, you get to school you have to start then prepping your your classroom make sure everything's okay get all your stuff ready and together so you're prepping for your day then the kids turn up you go into registration you go through your lessons lesson after lesson after lesson different groups of kids throughout different ages so maybe five different groups, might be five different lesson plans, could be six, could be four. Um, so you're having to think about that. You've got breaks and stuff. During that time, you're having to deal with brilliant kids, really, really engaging, really getting on with it, really understand it. I'm sure that's lovely. Um, and then you'll have to deal with kids that struggle and therefore they might play up a little bit more. And now you're having to deal with behavior and how that works and you're having to deal with kids swearing at you and being disruptive and abusive and kids arguing, and very different things, which I'm not blaming on the children. And then once you've done all of that, you go home, you have to have your own life at some point, see your own friends, see your own family, see your own children. You have to eat at some stage. And then you're gonna pick back up and do marking or do lesson plans. And that's just crazy. And when I positioned this to the deputy head, he said to me, the way his, his, he was structured was he does his full day at work and he goes home and he will have dinner and you know, see his family and he will normally get back about six and he will do six till eight his family time and about eight thirty he will pick back up the work and he will do that then through till midnight. Sometimes one in the morning, sometimes eleven, just depending on how busy he is. And I was like, that is mental. And he was like, yep, yeah, and I've done that for the last 20 years. And I was like, shit, you have been doing that for the same amount of time as I'd left school pretty much. Actually a little bit, a little bit less, but um And I I was saying to him, that is so broken. And he was explaining that he's only got a few years now, he's counting down the days to retirement. And I thought that's so, so sad that you're in a job which is all about educating and teaching and growing people, and you're just counting down the days to retirement. And that's no fault for him. He was absolutely brilliant. And I, I was really pleased with, the way that he articulated things to me and the way he responded and how open and honest he was but i was just like wow this system's so broken and i did say to him i believe there will be a time because the government aren't going to change this they're just not because they're just inept they are unable to see beyond their own idiocracy of how this doesn't work and in fact it's getting worse you know Rishi Sunak I made light of it earlier saying that kids should go to do maths until they're 18. Why what's the fucking point I mean I was I was not good at maths at school I was not good at school full stop but my maths now is unbelievable like and I say that like you know in all seriousness it is unbelievably good my addition, my subtraction, my division, my times, my basic numeric maths is really good. I can do it pretty fast, pretty accurately and if it's big big numbers I might get the exact figure but I'll get to a ballpark really quite quickly. My division is solid, I'm so good with percentages and I'm really good at allocating lots of different numbers in my head at the same time and working out things like gross profits or working out incomes, gross profits, net profits, operating profits, post-tax profits, pre-tax profits, tax percentages. And then I'm really good at looking at figures and kind of going, oh, well, that means that that level of income is this percentage of the total. And it's like this, and it's done like this. And that means that's two fifths of this. And that's going to be a fifth of that. And actually, if we squeeze this, that will make a difference there. And that impact will happen here. And I can just relate that just like that. And I've learned that by doing it. And I had no interest in doing any of that. Until I started running my own company at 28. And then I found a passion for it. So that's, you know, 12 years after I left school, and I suddenly got better at maths. I didn't need to learn it. My, 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 my brother is a, or my, my, my stepbrother, went and studied maths at university. But I bet I'm better at maths than he is. <laughs> like, fundamentally, day to day, I mean, he's actually a teacher, um, so he teaches maths, so he doesn't have to understand more. But it's um, you know, it, you learn the bits that are appropriate for you to be able to do what you want to do in life. And that is a really good aspect to explain home education. You pick the bits your children are interested in, you let them lead the direction. Yes, we do fundamentals of English, math, science, and such like that, but generally they lead the direction of what they're gonna learn because they're engaged in it, they enjoy it, and because they're engaged and because they enjoy it, they learn better they absorb it better and they know so much more. So they might not have the neatest handwriting and their spelling may not be fantastic, but they fundamentally a better, more rounded education than I think people that go to school are. And that's not the fault of people at school, it's the system, it is broken. And if you don't realize that, if you don't see that, then maybe you should go back to school <laughs> for a few years because it is totally broken. We still operate the same system that we operated decades ago and it's never changed. And I'm going to, finish, I'm, going to I'm getting to the end point. But what I'd said to the head was at some point, a school, because the government won't do it, will make a change. There is a school out there with a headmaster and with the deputy heads and with the senior team and with teachers. That's so against the way the education system is, and funny enough, every time I speak to teachers, they all agree that it's totally broken. But everyone seems scared or afraid, or they don't want to push back to make the change, which I, I, I will bench and I'll come back to. But I did say at some point there's going to be a school that going to go no fuck it. We're going to do education the way education should be done. And this deputy head told me that the way schools run is based to support parents to go to work. But actually, the optimal time for children to learn is from like 11 o'clock to 4 o'clock. That's the best time for kids to learn. Not at 9 in the morning. Um, now, I don't know that exactly. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I don't have that kind of information. I'm, I'm quoting somebody else that told me that. But they've been a deputy head for you know, two decades. I think they know what they're talking about. In that sense. Somewhere there's a school that is going to force the change. They are going to turn around and go sod it. We're going to start at 11, we're going to finish at 3, we're going to finish at 4. We're going to have a non-uniform policy, we are going to have a first-name basis, so students call the teacher by the first name. We're going to do sit where you're comfortable not where we allocate. We're going to do let's have more discussion based learning. Let's not have to sit there in silence and put your hand up in the same way. If you need to go to the toilet, just go to the toilet. If you don't want to be here to learn, don't be here. We're not here to force you to learn because you can't force anyone to learn. It's just it doesn't work that way. You have to want to learn. And they will operate more in a sense that is driven by the pupils and by the students than it is by the education system. And they won't give a shit about the grades or the marks or any of that kind of stuff. Now don't get me wrong, that's going to be one hell of a brave school because they're going to have to go against the Ofsted side, they're going to have to go against the local authority, they're going to have to go against other schools, other teachers, the parents, potentially some students, and fundamentally they're going to have to go up against the government. But I guarantee within a few weeks and within a a month or two and certainly within a term that's going to start to have an impact. It's going to get so much noise and notoriety and press. They're not going to have to concern themselves with any detrimental comeback because it will be too risky for the government. The government are risk-adverse in that sense. They wouldn't dare do anything else. And what will happen very quickly after that is people will realise that's the way to do it. That's the way I want my children to be educated, and that's the way children want to be educated. And it's also the way that teachers will want to teach, and suddenly, teachers are going to be applying to go to that school to teach, because that's what they want to do, and they're going to get more enjoyment, and the culture of that school fits with what they're trying to do, and why they're to teach in the first place. And parents will want to go to that school, they want their kids to go to that school, because that's where they get the best learning, because it's built around the individual, it's built around the student, not around some government statistic. And students will want to go there, because it's more enjoyable, because you can focus on the things you want to focus on. If I'd been allowed to do three times the amount of PE, three times the amount of drama, three times the amount of history, and three times the amount of cooking, I'd have been a grade A student. Absolutely, without a doubt, because those were the things I enjoyed. All uh, uh, applied uh, things, all things that I I did rather than use my brain. And uh, certainly in that way, not as academic. And there were so many kids out there like that, but there's also kids the other side. So, you know, it's that balance. But what will happen suddenly is you'll have an influx of teachers wanting to teach there, an influx of parents wanting to get their kids there, which means everyone has to move to the area. And suddenly you're going to see the price of houses in that space, in that area, go up. And there'll be more demand for people to live in that area, which means there'll be more demand for the services, which means more people will start to live there, which means more council tax will get paid, which means the councils will generate more income to be able to provide the services. It also means that people that might be moving away from the area will be able to generate more money for their house prices. It will become a more sought-after area, and when things are more sought-after like that, it raises them. I would love to see more inner city schools, schools that really struggle, due to the low affluency of their area, making this change, because they are the ones that will then gain the most. The reason why I wanted to come back onto the circle around the striking is because it's interesting to me how teachers that I speak to agree that the system's broken, that the education system's just just totally broken it's out of date and needs complete radical overhaul and they'll talk about that quite openly it's interesting to me that they understand the student psychology and the psychology of individuals of why it's broken and really they know how to fix it that's the thing it's not the fact it's broken you can get anybody to tell you what the problems are finding somebody that can tell you what the solution is that's the real challenge and they're there they know what the solution is. And they're striking based on, yes, pay will be an aspect, but that's probably driven more by all the extenuating factors of rising cost of living, not due to low pay, or not due to being underpaid sorry, it's, it's the fact that you know, everything's more, and more expensive. That's why they're after more money. It's more to do with the conditions, and the conditions are a factor of the broken system. So teachers and unions will strike based on the conditions, the problem. But why are they not striking to say, fix the fucking system, fix the root cause, fix the absolute root cause. And it's the same if if in health, for example, you go into, let's say you go to hospital because you've got a headache. The cause of the headache might be something really serious. So you don't want them just to give you a couple of paracetamol to make the headache go away for the next two hours. You want them to investigate and fix the root cause of the problem so you don't continue to get the headaches. If that makes sense. I'm sure it does. It made sense to me. But that's the problem is they're not fundamentally fixing the root cause of the issue. And I just think it's interesting that people are striking based on that as opposed to striking to say, fix the fucking education system because it's broken and it has a direct correlation with businesses because I see it all the time. And I'm gonna leave you with this little nugget. We spend so much time in our business and every company I've worked with and every business I see and every team building and training, we talk about this, think outside the box. Think outside the box. And I'm like, where the fuck did the box come from? When you were born, you weren't put in a box. There was no box there. When you learned to walk, you weren't restricted and said, "No, no, no, you can't walk. Stay inside your box." That didn't happen. When you learned to eat, you weren't going to, "No, no, no, you're not allowed to eat. Stay inside your box." When you learned to walk and then you were learning to run, it wasn't, "No, no, no, no stay inside your box." It's not until later on that we put you into this mythical box that basically stops you from being an individual. It stops you from thinking for yourself. It stops you from being able to have any kind of notion of expression that is outside the norm, outside the walls of this box. And then that happens for years when you're in school. We put you in this box. You're just smashed and smashed and smashed and smashed and smashed smashed until you fit into this box. And then when you leave school and you come into employment, what's happening now? Every single employer is like, think outside the box. We want you thinking outside the box. What fucking box? When did we put you in this box? We put it to you whilst you were in the education system. And if we hadn't done that, businesses wouldn't then be then spending the next five, 10 years trying to get you to think outside the box. Historically, that's what the labor Need was, or that's what they believed the requirement was: was people inside a box, people that say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and just do exactly as they're told. That's not the world we operate in anymore. We want free thinkers, radical thinkers, people that can express themselves and utilize more common sense aspects. But it's all just been smashed out of them. So this whole think outside the box. Every time you use that from this point forward, think outside the box. Just remember we created that problem we put people in that box because the way we run our education system and i fundamentally think now is the time to start not putting people in boxes in the first place and then we won't have to try and fix the problem 15 20 years down the line that's my episode thank you very much it's been a bit of a rant i appreciate this has been entrepreneur life with me joel campbell and i am an entrepreneur